Welcome to this bonus message in the Rockbrook Sermon Series over the book of Daniel found in the Old Testament. We've been answering the question, how do you live a godly life in an ungodly world? And the reason the book of Daniel can speak to that is because the book of Daniel was written during Israel's 70-year Babylonian exile. The Babylonians didn't care about God, so the Israelites were trying to honor God while the culture around them was trying to force them to dishonor God. In part one, we talked about culture's greatest goal, which is to change your identity. In part two, we gave you culture's greatest test, which is the battle for your worship. In part three, we looked at culture's greatest sin, which is the sin of pride. And in this message, I want to look at culture's greatest culprit. In other words, the thing that is causing the first three things, the thing that the enemy is going to use to deceive us to where we end up doing the first three unknowingly. This is important because culture's greatest need is you. It's the church. Our culture needs us to rise up and make a difference, to deliver grace and truth like Daniel did. Let's get started in Daniel chapter 5. We'll pick up right where we left off in the last message. Verse 1, many years later, King Belshazzar, this is the king after Nebuchadnezzar, gave a great feast for 1,000 of his nobles, and he drank wine with them. Now, whenever you study the Bible and see a reference to drinking, or especially drunkenness, it doesn't only mean the literal form of it, but it is also a symbol of being carefree, living a life that doesn't matter, I can, I can do what I want type of attitude. Verse 2, while Belshazzar was drinking the wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver cups that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, who was his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. He wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives, and his concubines. So they brought these gold cups taken from the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. While they drank from them, they praised their idols made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. So here's the scene. They are mocking God with this carefree attitude and literally taking holy things and disrespecting them. And God just, he does different things in different times to get people's attention. And verse 5 says, suddenly they saw the fingers of a human hand. I don't know if this was a hand floating around. I don't know if an arm popped out of the wall. It could have been the hand of an angel. Maybe it came out of a box like in the Adams family. I don't know. But a hand appeared riding on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. The king himself saw the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale with fright. His knees knocked together in fear, and his legs gave way beneath him. Sounds like he fainted. The king shouted for the enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers to be brought before him. He said to these wise men of Babylon, Whoever can read this writing and tell me what it means will be dressed in purple robes of royal honor and will have a gold chain placed around his neck. He will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. To give you the rest of the story, when those guys were brought in, none of them could figure it out. And here's why. Only God knows the secrets to the mysteries of God. God has mysteries about your life that you will never know until you connect to him, the God who created you. 
Psalm 139 tells us, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. In other words, you can't figure out life apart from God. Life will never make sense without God. And that's why these guys failed at figuring this out. So Belshazzar's wife uh, says, says to him, Hey, remember your dad w- would talk to Daniel, one of the Hebrew guys? And he could figure this stuff out. Verse 13, so Daniel was brought in before the king. The king asked him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles brought from Judah by my predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar? I have heard that you have the spirit of the gods within you and that you are filled with insight, understanding, and wisdom. My wise men and enchanters have tried to read the words on the wall and tell me their meaning, but they cannot do it. I am told that you can give interpretations and solve difficult problems. If you can read these words and tell me their meaning, you will be clothed in purple robes of royal honor, and you will have a gold chain placed around your neck. You will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. I'm going to skip a few verses. I'll summarize what they say. Daniel replied, I don't want your money, but I can explain this to you because I'm in touch with the living God who is trying to communicate something to you. And before he gave the interpretation, he reminded Belshazzar, Hey, your dad tried to play this game with me and tried to play this game with God. And he ignored the warnings and didn't listen to God and didn't humble himself. And he went insane for seven years. Belshazzar would have remembered that. Basically, Daniel is saying to Belshazzar that he's doing the same thing right now. He tells him, You have proudly defied the Lord in heaven. God always gives us warnings before he delivers consequences because he wants us to change. He wants us to get it. The warning here is that in our pride, we are setting ourselves up against the Lord of heaven. Look at what he says in the next verse. For you have proudly defied the Lord of heaven and have had these cups from his temple brought before you. You and your nobles and your wives and concubines have been drinking wine from them. You, you took what was supposed to be holy in your life and you made it unholy while praising gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, gods that neither see nor hear nor know anything at all. You started living your life in connection with the things that can never give you the meaning of life. But you have not honored the God who gives you the breath of life and controls your destiny. I want to raise awareness in this message that it's God who controls your destiny. Verse 24, so God has sent this hand to write this message. Handwriting on the wall. We use that today as a saying or a cliche that means imminent doom. The handwriting's on the wall, meaning you better straighten up soon because it's about to go downhill really fast. So God sent this hand In other words, he's saying, this is your last warning. And the message that the hand wrote on the wall was four words. And the words aren't in any language. It's just God making up words that nobody could figure out. And I think it's hilarious. I picture God in heaven maybe handing Gabriel a memo with what to write on the wall. And Gabriel thinking, I can't wait for Daniel to explain what I'm writing on the wall here. But even though it's somewhat humorous, 
It's not something to make light of because these words carry a prophetic warning for every single one of us. Daniel explains what they mean. Verse 26, many means numbered. God has numbered the days. Our days come to an end. We only have a set amount of time. And, and check it out. It's a number that's predetermined. We only have a certain amount of time in this thing called life. If you're writing down some notes, I'll have you write, write three things down as you listen. Number one, we forget that our days are numbered. We need to remember that we are living our lives with a limited amount of time. Anything we think we have a lot of, well, we tend to squander that. But anything we think we have a limited amount of, we use wisely. James in the New Testament goes as far as to say that our lives are just a mist. I've heard others say we're living in the dash between two days, the day we're born and the day we die. You have a death date. Aren't you glad you decided to listen to this? <laughs> but we do. All of us have a death date. Hebrews 9.27 says it simply, each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. Now that's not a refrigerator verse or anything, but it's true. It's the truth we need to be reminded of frequently, because if we don't remember it, we will tend to squander it. Years ago, we did a series called 30 Days to Live, and the question was, how would your life be different if you went to the doctor and they told you, you have a month. You have a month to live. What would you start doing? What would you stop doing? And whatever those things are, you need to make those decisions now because your days are numbered. The second word, tikal, means weighed. You have been weighed on the balances and, and they're not measuring up. Write this down. Number two, we allow our lives to get out of balance. The way we live our life, the things we do with our time, have been weighed and found wanting. It's not adding up. And the question for us is, are we spending our time the way we should? Is our work, family, ministry, life in balance? Are we spending it the way we should? The truth is, every single one of us need to continually check to see if our lives are in balance. We offer class 201 at Rockbrook, the maturity class, and that class teaches us how to balance our life, to balance it spiritually, relationally, physically, financially, intellectually. I know this is getting to be a serious message, so let me lighten it up for you. Some research shows us how we spend our time. The average American will eat out 14,411 times including 1,811 trips to McDonald's. That'll kill you right there. We'll spend 13 years and four months watching TV. We'll spend, we'll spend five years waiting in lines. We'll spend a whole year looking for misplaced items. A whole year. I'm sure I'm pushing the high end of that average, mostly because I recruit my wife and many others to help me look for the things I've misplaced. We'll attend... 35 weddings. We'll drive 627,000 miles. That's 25 times around the widest point of the earth. So there you go. That's how we spend our time. You probably have your own list. If, if you're like the average American, you're trying to figure out how much you can fit into a day. And the warning is, if we don't stop the constant push for more, it's going to destroy us.
If you're burning the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. Maybe we don't need to play in multiple sports at one time. Maybe we can say no to a league that has games on Sunday morning. Maybe we don't have to say yes to every invitation. Maybe we don't have to pursue every opportunity. Maybe not every opportunity contributes to our life purpose. Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes 4.6, now this is a refrigerator verse, it is better to have only a little with peace of mind than to be busy all the time. That leads us to the third word, parson. It means divided. So if you live without recognizing that your days are numbered and, and your life is out of balance, you're going to be divided. It's going to destroy something. It may destroy your marriage or your health or your peace. In Belshazzar's case, it says your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. And by the way, the Bible is incredibly accurate because this was written before that happened. And it happened. The Medes and Persians, where modern day Iran is, took over Babylon. Number three is we ignore the warning signs. Now, I'm not saying anything you don't already know, but that's how warning signs work, because there might be very little that you're actually doing. So God comes along, and maybe he gets your attention. Maybe there's a little pain in an area to get your attention. And in those times, we should respond to God. If we continue to ignore those warnings, destruction and division will happen in our lives. And before there is judgment, he would love to warn you. Pain can be a gift from God to let you know that something's wrong. Some of us have been going through pain. God is trying to talk to you. Quiet your soul and listen to God. Be still and know that he is God. Heed the warning. Unfortunately, Belshazzar did not listen. Verse 29, Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was dressed in purple robes, a gold chain was hung around his neck, and he, pro he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. To which Daniel said, I don't want that. Verse 30, that very night, Belshazzar, the Babylonian king, was killed, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. What can we take from this? Uh, three things in response to our three warnings. I encourage you to write these down. Number one, live with a sense of purpose and urgency. If your days really are numbered and your life really does matter, and listen to me, your life matters. You matter to God. If you're still drawing breath, it's because God still has something he would love to see happen through you. Your life is not over and you matter. The greatest gift you can give yourself is to pursue God, the only one who can give you your real purpose in life. There are two great days in your life, the day you were born and the day you figure out why. And we have a system at Rockbrook as a gift to you that helps you figure that out so you can make a difference before you go to heaven and hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your joy. Number two, put first things first. If the first things in your life are taken care of, everything else will be taken care of. Psalm 90.12 tells us, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. Put God first. The first of your day, the first of your week, the first of your month, the first of your year, the first of your finances, the first of your attention. If your life is out of balance, if you have been weighed and left wanting, 
You need to put God first in all things. Seek first God's kingdom, and he will take care of the rest of the things. And number three is do it now. The Bible tells us that God's spirit will not always only warn us that eventually consequences will enter into the picture. But he gives us these warnings so that we won't have to experience a divided kingdom within us. It starts with putting first things first and living for him. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Heavenly Father, thank you for warning us. Thank you for giving us a purpose. Thank you for caring about us. Thank you for caring for us. Giving our lives meaning. Thank you for reaching out to us to help us live life with purpose. Through Jesus I pray. Amen. Amen.